Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language of this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Hey, there is very adult content ahead and you have been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. As always, I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, relax, and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be exploring one of the strangest vanishings that there is. The totally baffling disappearance of a six-year-old boy by the name of Dennis Martin. Now, before we jump into it, we must establish the rules of the official drinking game. So, one, the drinking game is only for those of you that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. And two, tonight's drink of choice is completely and utterly up to you. I tried to find a missing or lost or even a disappeared theme drink, and you know what? Well, there weren't any. (laughs) So... And nothing else that was there looked any good. So, I'm going to say stick to an oaky whiskey or maybe even an oaky Chardonnay. Because we're going to be talking about the woods, so let's go oaky. And that should get us through the episode. Alright, now for the game part. Let's see. Alright, every time I say missing or vanished or, you know, any verb conjugation thereof will be a single shot. And every time I say Appalachian, that'll be a double shot. All right, now that we have the business end out of the way, we can jump headfirst into today's dark enigma. All right, many mysterious disappearance cases are constantly evolving as new information comes in. Facts and rumors are reassessed and debate transpires and rages on. These new tidbits do not always shed light on these cases or complete dis- or completely dispel the shadows around them, but they certainly stir up further speculation and intrigue. And today's case, well, it has propelled itself into nearly legendary status. And I know a lot of you guys are scratching your head because you've probably never even heard this story. But it is so weird. I don't know how we don't know more about this story, but there is frequent information that does trickle in that just makes it all spiral into weirder and weirder territory. In order to understand the whole background, well, we're going to have to tell you about Dennis Martin's truly odd case, so let me get you up to speed. Perhaps the most well-known, oft-discussed, and indeed stranger of vanishings in the Great Smoky Mountains is the disappearance of six-year-old Dennis Martin. On June 14, 1969, Father's Day weekend, the boy's family was out on a camping and hiking trip that they take every year in the Great Smoky Mountains. On this day, the family had stopped off at a grassy mountain highland meadow and a popular stop-off point along the Appalachian Trail known as Spence Field. 
As the adults sat out on the grass chatting, Dennis, his brother, and two other boys on the trip thought it would be amusing to play a prank on their parents. Because, you know, it's 1969 and pranks are what we do. They decided that they would split up, go out into the woods, and then simultaneously jump out from different directions in order to startle the adults in what was meant to be just some harmless fun. Three of the boys went one way, and Dennis, who was the youngest, went the other. The reason he had been chosen to be on his own was that he was wearing a highly visible bright red shirt. Apparently, they hadn't watched very many Star Trek episodes, and we know what happens to the red shirts. Anyways, just as planned, the three older boys jumped out and scared the adults. But that's when the men started to ask where Dennis was. Since the other boys had seen him just a few minutes earlier, they assumed that he had just missed his cue, and they just waited for him to jump out of the trees as well. But he never appeared. Dennis's father, Bill Martin, went out to go and get his son, expecting that he would be there hiding in the bushes as he had been instructed to do. But an immediate search of the area showed absolutely no signs of the boy, and calls into the woods went unanswered. Increasingly worried, Dennis, Bill and Dennis's grandfather, Clyde Martin, hiked out in two different directions, farther and farther from the place where the boy had last been seen, and still they found nothing. Park rangers were notified, and a search was launched that would last until nightfall, when heavy rain began to come down along with thunder, which hampered efforts to find the boy, and the search was called off until the following day, with still no trace of where Dennis had gone off to. In a rather ominous twist, a mere hours after Dennis had gone missing, a family named Keys reported that they had been hiking around six miles from Spence Field when they thought they heard a boy's scream. The Keys' son also claimed to have seen movement in a bush, which he at first thought was just a bear but turned out to be a man walking in the woods with something apparently slung over his shoulder. As spooky as this may seem, authorities determined that the location was too far away from Spence Field to have possibly anything to do with Dennis within the time frame of events. In the following days, the search efforts would quickly grow in size to hundreds of people scouring the area to include park rangers, locals, volunteers, the FBI, National Guard, and even Green Berets and psychics, along with bloodhounds and helicopters. And meanwhile, the news of the disappearance had started making major national headlines. Since Dennis was described as a robust, healthy boy with plenty of hiking experience, it was thought that he was alive and would be found in short order. But continuing heavy rains, flooding roads, as well as thick fogs made efforts difficult. For their part, Dennis's parents posted a hefty reward for any information leading to finding their son. As the weeks went by, though, hope that the missing boy had survived dwindled. A few possible traces of the boy turned up in the form of small footprints and a pair of boy's underwear found in the woods near Spence Field. 
But it was determined that the possibility that the footprints were linked to Dennis was very remote, and Dennis's mother said the underwear did not belong to her son. So now you've got some strange child's underwear out in the woods. Okay. The search would stretch on for months with no trace of the boy being found. Although the manpower behind efforts had withered away considerably, and it was largely assumed by frustrated authorities that he was most likely dead. Rumors and theories swirled as to what could have become to Dennis Martin. One idea was that he had been kidnapped, but no one could figure out a motive for such a thing, nor who could have orchestrated it with such perfect timing. And to be perfectly honest, you know, nobody really thinks that their kid's going to get kidnapped. So, you know, motive really doesn't play a whole lot into it because they don't really have motives. They're just crazy people. Anyways, Dennis also may have gotten lost, but that seems kind of odd because considering he was meant to wait right near the field and pop out to surprise the adults, so why would he have wandered off? And why wouldn't he have left any tracks or any sign of where he had gone if he did wander off? Indeed, why wouldn't he have even called out for help? Yet another theory was that he might have been suddenly attacked and dragged off by some wild animal. But once again, why wouldn't he have called out for help? And where were all the tracks? In the end, Dennis Martin was never found. And absolutely no trace of him has ever turned up. In fact, this odd case remains open to this day. Over the years, some bizarre details of the case have turned up. Author and researcher David Paulides, he's most well known for his investigations into mysterious disappearances and his series of books on the matter, The Missing 411, actually interviewed another author, another author, Dwight MacArthur, who wrote the book Lost, A Ranger's Journal of Search and Rescue. And MacArthur had a really strange tale to tell about the Martin case. MacArthur claimed that during the search for Dennis, the special forces units that had been called in had barely communicated at all with the authorities, rangers, or civilian searchers, instead preferring to work on their own as if they had their own agenda, and that they had been heavily armed as if expecting something big to happen. What could this mean? Another weird detail is that the lead FBI investigator on the case, an agent by the name of Jen Reich, later apparently committed suicide for unknown reasons. Now, two weird coincidences, okay. But the case of Dennis Martin is just bizarre on so many levels. There's the fact that this boy completely vanishes within minutes right there practically in front of his friends and family, and he leaves not a single trace behind. Various intensive searches by trained professionals could not track him down, despite the fact that not only was this young boy, who would not have gotten very far on his own, but also that he likely had a learning disability, which I forgot to mention, he did have a learning disability, because he was enrolled in a special education school. Even dogs were sent out, were said to be unable to pick up any scent, in some cases even suddenly refusing to continue or cowering and whining in fear. So how does a boy, who by the way is six years old, 
with an intellectual handicap managed to so completely and utterly evaporate into thin air without any clue or evidence whatsoever to evade all attempts to find him. Nothing at all has ever been found of him, and no one can quite figure out why that is. And it all couldn't get any weirder if it even tried. And adding to all of this is the presence of armed special operations forces, troops, prowling about in the wake of the vanishing. I mean, what were they doing there for a civilian disappearance? And why wouldn't they keep law enforcement informed of what they were up to? That's the aspect of the case which just blows my mind. And I was directed to a comment by an individual on a thread at a forum claiming to be an ex-Special Forces officer, which offers lots of things to think about. Now, the comment originally appeared on the site Tales of the Weird around 2014 by a user who called himself Harold Cleveland, and he attempts to shed some possible insight to this military aspect of the Dennis Martin case. And I'm going to share with you what he said, and you're welcome to look it up because the comment still does exist. But here's what he said, and I quote, To all concerned, I read some incredibly uninformed and ignorant comments here, and I feel it's my responsibility to help out when appropriate. My name is Max, and I am a retired Army SOCOM commander. Spent 26 years in service with, with most of them attached to 10th Mountain Division in Colorado. Our special forces are never called to assist in civilian operation. That falls to the local National Guard and approved by the state governor. The fact that they were armed as well is a, another huge no-no. During my command and every other mission I was aware of, we were not allowed by federal protocol to do either. Something is very wrong with this missing kid scenario. I've done some research on this case, both while on active duty and after my retirement. The inside facts of this case depict a frightening investigation. Bottom line is that searching started within a few minutes of the boy's disappearance and lasted three months with every resource imaginable being deployed. Don't even start with the terrain was difficult, holes and caves and cliffs and creeks, etc. Our special troops can find almost anything, anytime, and in any terrain. We have the highest technology available worldwide and easily the best training and real-world wartime and mission-specific experience that the normal civilian populace can scarcely imagine. After studying this case, the fact that absolutely no trace of the boy was ever found is mind-boggling. The Green Berets that were tasked in this search were there for a specific reason. They were armed for a specific reason. I can't and won't say why because my oath documents won't allow it. But I will remind you of these facts. Nationwide, there have only been four occasions where the special forces were brought in on a civilian missing persons case. Two of these involved a possible armed perpetrator. The other two were this case and another one similar to it about three years later and regionally nearby. This is out of thousands of missing cases since the early 60s when our special troops were enacted. 
There is no such thing as, well, they were training nearby anyway, and dot dot dot. Nope, we as commanders were never allowed to divert orders unless the division general officer, with at least one star within SOCOM, approved it. For that to happen, it must be for reasons that have a direct effect on our national security. No, no, no missing persons case has ever been on that level, ever based on its own merit. My research proved that in my own eyes. In conclusion, this case goes way beyond a simple missing boy. Let me put it this way to you skeptics out there. In 1969, same year as this case, in the southern jungles of Cambodia, we lost a man on team maneuvers one night. This was in some of the worst weather and impossible terrain known in this world. His tracks were instantly washed away, and nighttime operations were notoriously difficult as a rule. After a week's time, it was our dogs that finally tracked him down. They live for these missions, and they love it. In the Martin case, the dogs just laid down whining and refused to search. Several sets of dogs of different breeds. The FBI second-in-command told me this in person. That fact alone promotes the highest strangeness factor. These cases are far from normal and must be reinvestigated to ensure that the horror that this family went through never happens to anyone again. When it's your child that slips off for just a minute and the panic sets in and assets are immediately deployed in great mass, you would expect to find the child pretty quick. But when that just flat disappear like smoke as in this case, it baffles even the most experienced of us and breaks our hearts as well. I hope this hideous event never happens to any of you, for I have seen it many times firsthand and you just cannot imagine anything worse. God bless and thanks. End quote. Well, that posed a lot of questions for me. I don't know about you. Was this potential revelatory information on the case, or just somebody just shaking things up and stirring the pot and making up creepy stories? Yet, this particular comment strikes me as rather tantalizing in the sense that it fully takes a rare, in-depth look into the murky reports of armed special operations forces on the scene of the Dennis Martin disappearance. Something unusually lurking in the shadows of this case without much detail or elaboration. And it seems to be from someone who, at the very least, seems to know what the hell they're talking about. Now, several things kind of stand out here. The first and foremost is whoever this person is, they are definitely intelligent and articulate. Absolutely, no question. The second is it really sounds to me like he does know what the hell he's talking about. And I'll be honest with you, I grew up in a military family and a lot of the things that he's saying correlate with my own personal experiences. But it also sounds like he may know just a little bit more than he's able to say. He does, of course, say that he knows more, but that statement alone doesn't mean that he does. But yet, there's this air that there's something there. It is an astute observation that the commenter throws out a little offhand facts, like the number of times special forces have been called out on missing persons reports. Is this just a red herring for us, some made-up piece of fluff to make him sound like he knows what he's talking about, and to further stir up debate? It's kind of hard to say, as it's really difficult to find any documentation to corroborate this claim. 
And it is hard to even know what the commenter's real name is. His username is Harold Cleveland, yet he immediately introduces himself as Max. It all adds up to paint a possible picture of one of the most curious and nonsensical clues in the Dennis Martin case, that of those damned special forces troops at the scene. What could be the significance of their presence? And if it is, as he says, indicative of some threat to national security, then what sort of threat was it? And if it really did happen, then did it have anything directly to do with Martin's vanishing, or is it just a freaky coincidence? After all, what could the disappearance of a six-year-old boy in a national park possibly have to do with national security? I mean, I just don't get it. No missing persons case has ever been on that level, ever based on its own merit. My research proved that to my own eyes. Yeah, that statement right there. Just in conclusion, it goes way beyond a simple missing boy. So what else other than a simple missing boy is it? And then he takes another tangent and tells us how the tracking animals can track no matter what, but in Martin's case, the scent seemed not to even exist and it actually scared the animals. Really, his comment is quite thought-provoking, not only in what he says, but in what he doesn't say and how he doesn't really say it. What's he trying to say about the scent? Beyond how strange that really was? I mean, really? Anything? Come on, guys. What about it could have transcended a missing person's case alone? Something about the area? The people? The suspects? The family? The no scent? Dennis? I mean, how could there be a no scent? I mean, explain that to me. I mean, from polities and everything we get, this was just a missing persons case. That's all it should have been. Whatever could it possibly have been other than that? But this guy, he's saying no. It wasn't just that. Something else was involved, and he is saying further if it was just the animals that wouldn't have reacted like that. He seems to be using that as proof of his assertion. See? It's not that simple. If it was, they would have just found him, just like we found that guy in Cambodia. See, there is a little more in this comment of his than even I first thought of. What was he trying so hard not to say? Because I suspect he knows something that would make us look at this in a different way. There are some there are also some ominous overtones to the comment, such as the statement that the commenter has seen this many times. Just what in the world does that mean? It just enhances this whole spooky vibe permeating the comment in general. Whatever any of of this all means, one gets the feeling that this bizarre case of Dennis Martin possibly goes even deeper than we can possibly comprehend. It's a case that has transcended that of a mere missing person case to become almost legendary, dripping with hints of all sorts of strangeness. Dennis Martin, again, is one of those cases that really seems nonsensical. He literally disappeared right out of from under his family's nose. It couldn't have seemed any more weird if he had just disappeared while they were looking at him. And is it that weird even? I mean, come on. They basically were just looking at him and he's gone. Of course, you could implicate the family in his disappearance, but eliminating that, what do you have? When you really think really hard about this, you realize someone or something else must have been involved. 
So does this mysterious Harold Cleveland Max guy, or whoever he really is, does he really know something in connection to the case of Dennis Martin? And if so, what? And why isn't he telling us? Is this a comment that holds within it some profound insight into the ominous mystery that lies behind it all? Or is it just meaningless internet troll chatter? While there are bogus comments all over the internet, there are also on occasion revelations that remain buried out there in the forums of cyberspace and are brushed over. Is this one of those and what in all good gracious can we glean from it? If any of it is true at all, what else does this commenter know? This information does little to really explain the utterly mystifying case of Dennis Martin, but if anything, it serves to add another layer to it all, adds some commentary to one of the weirder clues orbiting the case, lays a potential road through the wilderness of uncertainty, and provides further fuel to stoke the flames of what is already a much-discussed and debated vanishing that has very strong roots in the world of the weird. And... I'm just going to say, we're going to take a little break here and let all your fears about getting lost in the woods just sink in. And when we come back, we will be digging in even deeper. And we're going to cover some of the possible theories on what actually happened to Dennis Martin. So make sure you join us after the break. Welcome back, my heathens. So glad you joined us again. As we stated before, on June 14, 1969, six-year-old Dennis Martin, his two brothers, and a cousin were playing a fun game of hide-and-go-seek as his father and grandfather talked nearby in the grassy field of Spence Field, a meadow which serves as a crossroads for several trails in the higher elevations of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Three boys went one way, little Dennis opted to hide behind a bush. A few minutes later, the three boys jumped from their hiding paces and frightened the grown men. It was supposed to be a joke, but the poundings of their hearts would never subside. Dennis Martin, just six days shy of his seventh birthday, was nowhere to be found. And he hasn't been seen since, despite the diligent efforts of law enforcement, the National Guard, Green Berets from Fort Bragg in nearby North Carolina, and thousands of volunteers whose search lasted through mid-September of 1969. The disappearance of the young boy slowly faded from the area headlines until October 8th of 1976, when 16-year-old Trini Gibson seemingly vanished into thin air while on a hiking trip with her Bearden High School class. Although Trini was walking alone, there were groups reportedly behind and in front of her, but no one claimed to have seen anything, especially not an abduction. During the search for Trini, scent dogs followed her trail to the highway before it was lost again. Again, thousands of volunteers as well as military personnel spent months searching the mountain terrain for the teenager, but it was all to no avail. Trini was gone without a trace. Just as as it was with Dennis, the missing Trini began to slowly fade away from the headlines, when suddenly, 58-year-old Polly Melton of Jacksonville, Florida, disappeared while hiking with a couple of friends on September 25th, 1981. Polly, according to her friends, was a smoker, overweight, and suffered high blood pressure. 
So they found it a bit odd that she was walking with such a brisk pace several yards ahead of them. Overhearing their comments, Polly turned and laughed before she went out of sight, descending a hill. Initially, her hiking companions believed she had just gone back to their their campsite, but upon returning to the campsite, they learned this was not the case. Like Dennis and Trini, Polly vanished without a trace, never to be seen again. This time, when the headlines became fewer, there would not be another one to revive the story. Over time, their disappearances have become something of urban legend to visitors and especially residents of the Great Smoky Mountains. Not only does the failure to locate the missing leave much to the imagination, but no evidence whatsoever of who or even what could be responsible makes the stories fantastic. I mean, is it possible? Are these all three a victim of a yet unidentified serial killer? Now, although it would not be the, the usual modus operandi, victims of varying ages and even gender isn't outside the scope of possibility for a serial killer. But why the long gaps between? I mean, we're talking 10 years between each one almost. And why were there no other victims? I mean, it's possible that if it was a serial killer, they may have moved from the area or even died, I suppose. But, I mean, seriously? No other victims? I find it hard to believe. I mean, Dennis was a young boy. He was fairly familiar with the area. He lived in Knoxville. His family spent a great deal of time camping and hiking the Great Smoky Mountain Park trails. He was energetic and fearless. It wouldn't be outside the realm of reality for a six-year-old to explore and become lost. That I can buy. Not to mention, children at that age, they have a knack for finding the oddest places, places adults would never even think of. But honestly, nothing? It just doesn't hold water. Trini Gibson had walked on and off with friends during their field trip, but the area from where she disappeared is known for its steep incline, sharp drop-offs, and dense un- undergrowth. Some locals also claim that there are abandoned mine shafts whose openings are often covered with brush and easy to fall into, so there's another possibility to consider for us. But then, then there's Polly Melton. Polly had been suffering bouts of depression following the death of her mother a few years before. Her doctor had prescribed her Valium to help ease the depression, but Polly had supposedly stopped taking them by the time of her disappearance. But her husband later reported that his prescription for the same medication couldn't be found, and Polly's husband also told police he suspected she was having an affair. Now, I'm going to stop right there and just bring us into, you know, the 2000s because he probably killed her. That's all I'm going to say. But that's probably not true because he wasn't even there. So, but honestly, that would be the first place we go. But Polly disappeared without any identification on her. And she didn't know how to drive and she didn't have any keys. So, if this was the case, I mean, Polly wouldn't be the first person to skip out with no ID and, you know, get themselves somebody on the side and decide to meet at a predetermined meeting place in the hopes that she would be just be considered a victim and they could go on and not really be a deserter of her marriage. But the truth is this, it's been more than 40 years since Dennis disappeared, and 
almost 32 since Polly vanished. We'll probably never even know what happened to them short of some miraculous discovery. It's an odd and puzzling case. It has so many twists and turns, and there's so many conspiracies to it. The fact that this case, which took place in 1969, is still unsolved makes it all that much more creepy and puzzling. After months of searching, not so much of a trace was found of Dennis. No clothes, no footprints, no body, no nothing. If Dennis was still out there somehow, he should have been found by now. And if he was killed, we should have a body by now, or something. That's where the conspiracy theories come in. That's right, we're hitting the theories. So of course, first and foremost, the biggest one is that Dennis was kidnapped. So the Keys family tip about hearing a boy scream and then seeing a rugged-looking man carrying something over his shoulder through the woods, well, that's pretty good evidence of this theory. Now, I know a lot of you don't live in the South like I do in Georgia. Georgia and North Carolina are pretty much alike. We've got a lot of people who hunt, and when you see rugged-looking people rocking through the woods carrying stuff, it's generally a buck that they just killed or some kind of hunting thing. It's generally not an abduction. People don't go to the woods hoping against hopes that some small child is going to get detached from his family and they're going to be able to kidnap him. I find this one hard to believe. Now, another thing to consider on this, and, and of course, you know, police ruled this all out because the the person was way too far away. It just couldn't have happened. And Dennis disappeared in like two to three minutes for someone to kidnap him in that short amount of time without leaving any footprints or for Dennis making any sounds, it just doesn't hold water. It's implausible. It just can't happen. Now, maybe Dennis got lost and maybe the man happened to stumble upon him a couple of miles away. Maybe he disappeared. There's one too many maybes in there for me. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't like this theory. I don't think it was a kidnap. I think he might have gotten lost, but that brings us to our next one. Another theory is that Dennis just simply got lost or walked off into the woods. Now, the park has a lot of rough terrains, and with the bad weather, who knows what could have really happened to him. My only problem with this is the fact that Dennis never really wandered off, and he was very close to the other children hiding and the parents where they were talking. I mean, he went into this bush wanting to jump out and scare his parents, so why would he walk away? And admittedly, okay, he's six years old, and the attention span is like that of a goldfish. I get that. But he's trying to play a joke. I mean, come on. Have you ever had a six-year-old tell you a joke? It takes hours. I don't buy that he just wandered off. And if Dennis had wandered off, then it wouldn't have been that hard to search for him after five minutes. I mean, he's only six years old. I mean, seriously, I'm short. I can't get that far in five minutes. He's shorter than I was. He couldn't have gotten that far. You could have found him. The last main theory is that Dennis may have been attacked by a wild animal. This is a big national park with lots of dangerous animals, including mountain lions and bears. Of course, being a national park, it's not crazy to think that this could have happened. The problem with this theory is the fact that no one saw or heard any animal nearby, nor did anyone hear Dennis scream for help, except possibly the keys. 
I do believe that if it were an animal attack, someone would have heard something. There would have also been footprints or clothes or something because, you know, animals don't clean up after themselves. They're like toddlers. Sorry, I don't buy that one either. And then, of course, we have the conspiracy theories. This is where the case seems to get a little strange and the conspiracies start to form because those are the fun ones. And we've already talked about David Pilates and and him interviewing um, Dwight McCarter about the case and McCarter with the special forces unit that were included and didn't talk to anybody working almost on their own like they had their own agenda. They were heavily armed, like they were expecting Osama bin Laden to pop out. And I know that's a really bad reference because nobody knew who he was in 1969. But it's like they were they were waiting for the Russians to jump out. Um, I, to add to all this weird behavior, the lead FBI investigator on the case committed suicide not much later after this case with absolutely no clear motive as to why he did it. I mean, was there something bigger going on? Why were all these special forces guys loaded with weapons to find a six-year-old boy? And then, of course, there's the truly, truly great conspiracy theories, which I, I'm not going to even attribute them to a person. We're just going to say that there is the idea that that he was Dennis was kidnapped by Bigfoot. Um, the second great conspiracy theories is that he was abducted by aliens. Now you guys know that I love me some Bigfoot, but when it comes down to Bigfoot or aliens, it's always going to be aliens for me. It's always aliens. But the truth is, is that this is a bizarre case and there's so many other bizarre cases and nobody's talking about them anymore. Like, I didn't even know this story until somebody sent it to me and asked me to, to look into it. And I was like, oh my God, I've never heard this story. I live in Georgia. I'm literally, you know, a couple of hundred miles. I've been to the Great Smoky Mountains and I've never heard this story before. And now it makes me think, huh, what else do we not know about? And it's been so many years later with nothing new happening on this case. And it's still an open case, people. It's it's close to 50 years now. And this boy has never been found. We, I'm sure his family is just beyond wishing for just an end. They just want to know what happened. Because Dennis seemed to have literally vanished without a trace. And with that, we've come to the end of the episode. And I do thank you for joining me today. And I do hope that you'll take some time to reach out to me and share your thoughts on what you think happened. You can always reach the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And hey, if you have suggestions for future shows, like this one was suggested by a lovely, lovely listener, or if you just want to tell me what you think, then send me a message, drop me a line, let me know. On that note, that's all the time that I have for today. Thank you so much for joining us on Renegade Talk Radio, and don't forget to tune in next time. Be good, my heathens. Be good, and don't go out into the woods, because, you know, you'll disappear. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.